Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Celtic Now and for our podcast. My name is Ryan Clifford. This is a special guest podcast with author and Celtic fan, Scott Alcroft. Scotty, how's things, mate? Absolutely class, mate. Thanks for having me on. No, oh, I really appreciate it. Come on, mate. How's, how's trips over in the old Spain? Oh, brilliant. Um, this is my second time here, Ryan, and uh, I've been here three years this time, and it's tremendous, man. I just love it. Love it to bits, as everybody knows, when it, it follows me on social media. Um, I kind of rip the piss at it sometimes with my... <laughs> I think I've got the most photograph feet on Twitter, uh, somebody said uh, one time. Oh, I just love it, mate. Love it. Love the lifestyle. Love the weather. Just love the people. Love the language. I'm trying to learn the lingo. Uh, I'm getting my residency here soon. I've got a cracking wee job and I've got plenty of time to write my books, so it's perfect. I don't think anybody will grudge you taking photos of your feet, mate, in a pool because <laughs> they'd all be jealous it. So, that says, mate, you take advantage of it and that's in the day, mate, it's, it's something that if you enjoy and it kinda, it's got you there, mate, so it's something that people kind of grudge you. Um, and obviously, you're living in Spain. How did you actually get to Spain in the first place? Is it something you've always wanted to do, is go and travel, or did it just something that popped up and you took the chance? I well, I'm 43 now, so since I was 21, really, I've, I've lived and worked abroad, um, and I've... I was here in Gibraltar. Uh, I was in Gibraltar between 2007 and 2010. And it's just the one place that I had a massive affinity with and I always wanted to come back. Um, and I got that opportunity in 2018. So I just grabbed it with both hands and came back. And like I said, I've been back over here three years now and just wild horses couldn't drag me back to Scotland. There's no way. I just, just love it. I was going to ask, so I'm guessing to a back game is not an option. <laughs> Maybe, maybe we're not about 60 or maybe, but no, I know the new man. I just, I'm just loving it. I just love the life, man. And obviously, you're saying you're trying, are you trying to get your registry or are you getting it? Is, is that confirmed? I, I'm getting it. I, uh, I'm going through the stages. There's like three interviews that you have to go through. Uh, I had my second one today, actually. So I've just got one more to go and then I've basically got the residencia. So, um, I am sorted. I'll be a Spanish resident soon and be changing my name for Scott Dewan, I think. <laughs> does that see obviously does, does that mean that you get all the healthcare and all that other stuff for your, uh, everything mate everything? everything mate aye aye you, get, you, you can obviously buy a house and you can buy a car and you can do all these sort of things and I think just now with Brexit it's ideal um, I've got my Gibraltar I've got a, actually a Gibraltar passport um, 
So I've got Gibraltar passport, Spanish residency, um, I'll have. So it's it's ideal to have a bit of everything, and then you know it's easier for travelling then and getting back in. Like at the minute, mm. my, wee, my wee sister, for example, is getting married on Friday this Friday, and because I'm not a Spanish resident, you know you can't travel because of this COVID nonsense at the minute. So once everything's sorted, uh, it will make travelling and documents and, and all these sort of things a, a whole lot better. As you say, is obviously the, the current climate and the situation. It's maybe a bo- it's maybe a bonus that you're actually getting it now because a lot of things that might kind of depend on if you've got wedding stay and as you mentioned, buying cars, houses. It's it's obviously a good thing you have. I definitely, um, especially I work in Gibraltar, uh, Ryan. So it's it's a bit of pain in the ass to be honest with you. Sometimes when the the Spanish and the Gibraltarians have like a little bit of conflict when it comes to coming in and out, what paperwork you need, what documents you need, it's not as easy as just flashing your passport. Uh, sometimes you'll get to the border and they'll say, right, where's your Spanish residency? I've no got Spanish residency, but I'm on the list. Aye, of course you're, mate. And then you've got to pull out all this different paperwork and show them what. It's just a pain in the arse, so it's best to get it done. Once you get it done, you're going to have no hassles at either border then coming in and out. Is it so, it's actually something I've always... I've, I kind of had the chance I was younger, but I knocked it back. Um, but it's always something I've always had in the pipeline is to go abroad and live and... But I think it's maybe it's I'm maybe I'm fearful of leaving my job and going away and then having to get a job. It's try to get a job at Suchi and you know, don't really try to get a job and just go fuck it. I'll go. I'll get a job. You don't want to just do a bar up for the sake of it. You know, actually enjoy the experience of being abroad. And I think for me, if I was to go abroad, probably like yourself, you've got a job, but you can actually live the experience of being abroad. You can still do your, as you mentioned, you can go in the pool. You can still go a night out. You can still enjoy your. Life so abroad instead of just walking all the time to actually live abroad? I think that's the thing. I think I was lucky because I'd been here before, so I knew the area for starters, and I had loads of pals over here, so I had that network uh, of people around me when I first came here, so it was a wee bit easier for me. And probably my advice, it was a massive gamble to do what I'd done, you know, I'd, and I hate saying this, but it's true. I came out here with £20 in my pocket and a rucksack three years ago and that's the God's honest truth you know I came out here with nothing and I just thought let's let's go for it and just just see what happens and three years later here I am you know so I think the advice um, to people would be is do your research um, maybe join local like Facebook groups and Twitter groups and things like that and just ask people's advice and what you find is that people that are here will just tell you the truth listen mate there's no work don't bother your arse coming or I come here, they're looking for people in gaming, for example, in Gibraltar, uh, which is good money. Maybe a starting wage of 25 grand a year just for answering phones or, you know, speaking to people on the internet. So you, when, when you find out these little things, uh, it's maybe worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Maybe even just coming out for a month or two months, you know, if you've got the leave to do it. And just come out and maybe, I would say come out and test the water first. Maybe come out to whatever country it is you want to go to. But the problem is now is way Brexit, it's a lot more difficult, you know, to get residency in countries, you need to be, you need to be earning a certain amount of money. Um, if you've got children, they add money on for your children as well. So it could be like, let's say, for example, you need to be earning 30,000 euros for you to get residency or just for you. But if you've got a wife and you've got children, they add money on to that. So it could be something like you need to be pulling in 60 grand a year just to get residency in that country. They're not just going to get to anybody. 
and there's, a lot, I mean, so there's a lot of jobs out there now that are going to give you 60 grand a year. This is what I'm saying. It's a lot of money in it. Aye, it's a massive gamble, so you've got to sort of have things in place before you do come over. But like I said, I would go and sort of recce the area first mm. that you're going to go to or the country that you're going to go to and just check things out, like property prices, rental prices, schools if you've got wains, uh, and just, you know, do, do, do your due diligence basically before you before you take that massive gamble. It's always something I think. I, I hope I, I can do it in the future, but stands you know, we're still stuck in sunny Scotland, so... Um, but obviously, uh, Scotty on to Celtic, um, starts just with this season. Um, what's your kind of thoughts? And obviously, you're obviously living in Spain at the moment, so you might not see everything, but you might see obviously a lot on social media and stuff. Um, which I obviously, obviously, we've lost the, the, the 10, which was the kind of the be on end of this season. It's not happened. What's your kind of thoughts and what you think went wrong, or obviously, which maybe you thought should have been better? Jesus, where do we start? Um, aye, it's just been terrible. Uh, I just think it's been a bit of a farce for the beginning, really. I think we, the bowling goalie thing uh, that, that sort of kicked us off and left us two games behind at the start of the season. So we're playing catch-up straight away and, and, and the guys from across the city were just fit to the floor, you know. But I think we sort of thought that, well, my own personal opinion is we'd just canter it this season. I'm going to be honest, you know, I thought... The guys had been there, done it, bought the T-shirt and sent it back. And I think on paper, the, the signings that we made, we made a £5 million signing and a national goalkeeper. Didn't know much about him. Uh, Ayete, uh, another £5 million striker that had played in the Premier League. So uh, I think the signings on paper looked good. You know, I thought, we've actually got the checkbook out here a wee bit and we're spending a bit of money. So on paper, they looked good. But as, as we both know, don't play football on paper, you play football on, on, on the pitch, you know, and these guys just haven't turned up. It's simple as, and I don't know what it is, you know, we had Lennon talking about guys on their fit and stuff like that. How can guys not be fit? You know, I get match fitness and all that, all that carry on, but the stuff with Griffiths coming back overweight and, I don't know, selling our two fullbacks and then bringing in two lone guys that just don't look as though they give to flying foxtrot you know what I mean and I don't know I just can't put my finger on it at all it just seems like the only guy who seems to be performing consistently is Turnbull but we put him in far too late same with Sorrow it's like when Sorrow and Turnbull come in for that game everybody was like ah, Christ almighty where have these two guys been all season I'm not saying we would have won the league if they two guys were playing at the start of the season I'm not going to replace you know, McGregor's and Brown at the start of the season but once they come in and put that performance in, I mean, what, what was Lennon seeing in training with these guys? Uh, I think I think the, the biggest thing, though, was, was no getting Fraser Foster. Um, I think if we'd got Fraser Foster, uh, again, that would have made a massive difference. And there's been no confidence at the back at all, you know, that it's just been a shambles. i seen uh, something, I think it was on Twitter the other night, on Celtic Analytics, I think it was, the amount of goals that we've conceded for corners and set pieces at the front post with flick-ons and stuff like that. I mean, who are these guys, you know, at Celtic that are, they must see this. If a guy on Twitter can see this, surely, you know, the the, the, coaching, the coaching team at Celtic can see it. The, the defence, just folk just haven't been at it at all. It's Edward doesn't look interested. Christie doesn't look interested. Um, 
big ayer. We don't know if he's gone or no, but I mean, I spoke to him, uh, I think it was two or three weeks ago, uh, Gibraltar were playing Norway, and I was actually doing security at it, and right. I was looking after the VIPs and the subs, and we had like Haaland in there, and Ayer, Ayer was on the bench, and the subs were sat right beside me, so I was giving him grief the whole game, you know, speaking to him and bending his ear, and I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter, but he gave me his tap after the game. I've seen it, aye. Aye, so I was talking to him, I says, Christopher, what's the crack with your contract? I says, are you, are you going to sign, or are you leaving, or what are you doing? And he was kind of blasé about it. He was just like, fuck, I've got another year left. I was thinking, aye, but you're at Celtic, mate. We'll have to sell you. Do you know what I mean? It's no... We'll have to cash in on you. It's So I just think the uncertainty, you know, Lennon leaked out as well that uh, so many players wanted to leave at the start of the season. I think they, they've sort of came out as your Ayers, your Christie's, your Edwards. You know, this has sort of been leaked out as well. So... If these guys don't want to play, I wouldn't play them. That's as simple as that. I wouldn't, you know. They, if they want to go, let them go. I just think it's caused a bit of a furore in the, the dressing room. And then you get that wee guy that sort of went to, I think he went to America a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember his name. The, the young boy, the American lad. He, uh, yeah, Harper. he basically... Harper. I Harper, sorry. I Harper. He basically said there's cliques at Celtic and... You know, he, he didn't fit in and he dreaded going up to the first team training because they were all different cliques. And, you know, if you go maybe like the Encham episode as well, and what's he all about? That boy, man, he's got all the talent in the world and he just looks like he just doesn't want to be there. It's... You know, Lennon's, Lennon said he, he's not wanted to be there for 18 months. He's not wanted to be there for 18 months, then get shot at him. That's when, obviously, you're management and your board need to, obviously as we know that's when they need to talk um, I agree with you the full recruitment for me see when don't get me wrong I'm be honest see when they did have the transfer window and they signed a few players I thought right we're spending about 15, 16 million we've kept, we've kept our key players I'm like aye this should be 10 in a row and I was thinking but I after a few games I was like something's no right here and as you say aye. players weren't fit and for anybody, listen, but maybe of most guys, obviously, and and girls as well. But most guys that have played football at a decent level, you know, that pre-season you need to come in a bit. You need to be flying these days. You can't be overweight. And I just I think that, as you mentioned, the ball and goal section as well. It just came hand in hand and set the the tone for the season, really. Aye, aye, it was ridiculous. I think the, the guys doing a Strava thing or something at home, and they, you know they were keeping an eye on them because obviously we were in lockdown at the time for the preseason. So I mean, I don't think Griff Griffiths was working by the sounds of things. You know what I mean? It was like, how can you come back overweight? You know, you play for Celtic, and he's got this massive opportunity. He's just a talent wasted. This boy, man, he's he's got all the talent in the world, and it's just his attitude is stinking and. It's, it's crazy. He's never going to play for a team like Celtic again in his life. He'll probably go up and play at Aberdeen with, with, with Bruni uh, at the end of the season. He'll probably go up there with him. They'll take him. It doesn't matter where he goes, he's going to score goals. But God almighty, it's like these players, some of these players don't know what it means to play for Celtic. I'd cut my left, my left arm off to play for Celtic, you know, and just the blasey attitude with a lot of them. They'll never play for a bigger club than Celtic. It's as simple as that. I totally agree with you, uh, Scotty. Hundred percent, especially Griffiths. He's not going to as much as as much as um, what he's done for us has been superb. But the last maybe year, two years, that I push, he's 
he's not been the same player. Um, and I do agree that he's not going to get any better Celtic now. I think he's not going to go down the way now if it is your Aberdeens or Arsenal. Um, but as you mentioned about the guys wanting away, see if for me it's the same as the amateur level or junior whatever. See, and back here anyway at their levels. If, if if you don't like your manager, or the manager doesn't like you, and you want you want to go somewhere else, they tell you, hey, well, cheat on Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, training, hand your stuff in and see you later. That's so, for me. It's I can understand fans saying that like we've kept our place, but we don't know what goes behind the scenes. Um, and for me, if as much I've I've always said in the charm, the ability wise, the guys get so much ability, but there's something obviously no there that's. Something's happened behind the scenes that we don't know about because Aye. so many. That's what I've always said to my old man as well. How can so many players, talented players that will be think they're talented, and we've seen, as he says, been there, done it, won all these trophies, which obviously Rangers wrote last night, and this season it proves how hard it is to win these trophies. How can so many players no, un, no, no perform to their level? Aye, there's only been, as you mentioned, Tumble, Ayers played. Obviously, I has been the best of bad bunch this season. I think he's been decent. So you're maybe talking maybe three or four players at a squad of what twenty five that's been decent. So that tells me it's not just about players, as as you mentioned about no one saying this and saying that. As a collective this season, there's something stinks, and eventually will we find out? I don't know. I, I think it's just morale at the workplace, mate. To be honest with you, I mean, your listeners are. I'll know about this as well. If you've got somebody coming into work every day and saying, I fucking hate this place, you know, I, I hate my boss, I hate this and I hate that, that's what's been happening. Basically, that's what's been happening. So it breeds contempt amongst others and cliques will form in the workplace. It's just the same as me and you going to work and listening to these folk. It, it busts your balls, you know what I mean? So when you have to listen to these people and then you'll get the odd person who say, see if you don't like it here, mate, go and get another job. Yeah. It's exactly the same. But obviously, players are under contract and good money and maced them these days. I think player power's uh, the big thing now, isn't it? If players, don't, if players want to stay, they'll stay. If they want to go, they'll get their agent to push for a move. And it's, as it's been, as as you mentioned about got your work and stuff, it is, it is like that, isn't it? It just seems all the headlines and the papers. And especially... Imagine in Cham, for example, coming in every day for 18 months with his head done. I don't want to be here. This place is shite for 18 months, and you have to listen to that guy. Imagine. And then when he, when he flings him on the pitch, he's just like, ah, when I get the ball, just skate to somebody else. I'm not interested. I don't want to be here. So, what you put me on the pitch for? I think that's the way it seems to be. And I think it's, I think fans are really coming, coming to everything new when you, when you sit back and obviously you look at the results. You, as you mentioned about that video with, uh, on, on Twitter, I've seen it as well. It's, it's like, you're watching, it's like deja vu every single game. You're thinking, right, if that's happening, they're obviously no practicing that training because if it, if they were practicing training, it wouldn't be happening every single week, basically, which is it's ridiculous to be flickering at the back post and front post. Something's something's no right if it's the coaching, if it's, as you mentioned, the, the morale. But this season, it's just been, it's very hard to watch the fan knowing what they've done and what they could do. And again, it's just, I just, I just hope something, hopefully, comes from the new managing a bit of hope because we do need to start the season very well but next season because obviously the Champions League qualifiers are maybe only 12 weeks away and again we're going to end up with Beaton at centre-back again without a, a centre-back. It's, 
it's you think to yourself, here we go again, isn't you? Aye, uh, like you said, there Beaton. Beaton's a centre midfielder, and so so's Ayer. Ayer's basically a centre midfielder, being converted into a centre half. So if you think about it, we've got to be left with nobody. We, we, we need a, basically a full new team for next season. It's crazy. If Edward goes, if Ayer goes, if Christie goes, and Cham goes, I'm not, not too asked about Cham, obviously, but if Cham goes and Bruins away, we've got to be left with Carl McGregor in there scratching his head. You know, he's maybe got Turnbull, Sorrow. We could see maybe Luca Connell coming back. He looks a good player as well. So it's going to be a completely new. I think it's like, like I said earlier, I think. Celtic thought and the fans we were going to canter it this season. It didn't matter. We knew that everybody was going to leave and it'd be a fresh page. Mm-hmm. Whether if we got 11 in a row, John Kennedy was going to get a job. Lennon was going to canter it. John Kennedy was going to get a job and he was going to get a blank canvas to do what he wanted. I think it's just been I a nightmare, think, man. I think for hearsay, I think that was the plan. I think no I think matter what happened this season, Lennon was leaving and I think Kennedy was basically going to set up for a job and I think that's what it was. One to yeah. ten. And if he loses the league the next two years, who cares? I exactly. Think that, I think that was, I don't know if, that, if it was the actual plan, but through sources and you hear people, it seems to be that was the plan that Kenny was going to step in. And I think no, surely there's no chance he can get a job now because we need, as you mentioned, need at least two right-backs, two left-backs, at least two centre-backs, and maybe another two strikers. You need goalkeepers. A goalkeeper, two wingers. It's... it's it's, um, it's, mate. It's, I, a, it's a full new team we need I've said it's the biggest rebuild obviously I'm I'm only I'm coming for 28 so I'm so younger when it comes to football terms but probably the biggest rebuild is O'Neill it is I was just going to say that mate I, it's like, what happened was after Seville is we, we should have built on that side and, and still been a European powerhouse team you know what I mean but we didn't and we just let it go to pot man so it's like it's exactly the same now We've got an opportunity now to, I don't know, maybe go and find players like your Frimpongs and that, you know, for the English guys that, that are only getting games. Man City, how's Jeremy Frimpong ever going to break into the Man City team? Do you know what I mean? You've got boys down in England that are probably five to ten million pound players playing in the youth teams. Go and, go and steal these boys off the English teams and get them up. Do you know what I mean? And, and if Celtic are going to still be a selling club, then you're going to get get these guys for a couple of million pounds and sell them for 10 million, 15 million, 20 million, the same as you did with Frimpong. But these boys are brilliant players. Do you know, well, that's maybe the model we should start looking at as well as our own youth. But as you mentioned, Frimpong, when he first came in, I thought, wow, he was getting his, he was getting bums off his seats. And then, like most of the squad this year, they've, they've all regressed. And again, that's when you know something's not right. When players who... Last season, we came in, they were building on it, they were doing well. Edward last year was untouchable, man. Yeah. Unbelievable. Because they, they, put, they put Griffiths up front with him. And, and, then, and then he changes it back to the one up front. Honestly, I don't know your opinion on the one up front, mate, but <laughs> see my opinion, right? I hate, I, I was a striker myself, right? And I hated one man up front. I hate watching it and I hate my team playing it. Because especially, see, even recently in Rangers games, right? The ball's up the park, Edward fucks it on. But there's people there. But uh, if you're going Griffiths sniffing about, he fucks it on. Griffiths might not get there, but he's still there with a chance of fuck on. And it's giving you an option. But with one man up front and that diamond, there's no option at all. Uh, Celtic should never be playing with one striker. No way, especially in Scotland. No way. 
it's it's very frustrating, um, and I think I can see it in your face and when I say the one up front, it, it is, it's really, especially in Scotland, maybe in Europe when maybe you're going to your Lille's, your PSG's or whatever, it's very hard to play with two men up front and obviously you might get a goal then you need to sit back and defend, but most of the time abroad you can take one up front if you're playing maybe a winger or a 10 behind them, but when it comes to Scotland, mate, 100%, why we're playing one up front, I know when you're attacking it might look like a free, but it's not really, it's still one man up front and for me it doesn't work and you mentioned about McGregor in the middle of the park, but the start of the season again he played Brown and Cham and McGregor, we all know it doesn't work, but then he kept playing it and kept playing it. And then when he, when you yeah. mentioned Sorrow and Tumble come in with energy, quick play, a good result against Lee, we are thinking, as he says, why the fuck have they been playing since the start of the season when they've been sitting there? Uh, they must be they must be, they must have been doing that in training. They must have been. Again, is as as the board been a bigger influence than we know, we don't know, because obviously we don't know what happens behind the board scene. So we've heard maybe the signings that Stuff of no happen again. You don't want to speculate to accumulate, but something's obviously not been right between the management and the board because there's been too many, as you mentioned, clicks and leaks been kicking about. I think I think Lowell and uh, Lennon did have a, a cracking relationship. You know, he, it was that good they walked in when he was in the shower and offered them the job. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, I think they were very very close and. Uh, but I don't, I don't know what it is. It's I don't know if this guy that was it Nicky Hammond, his name was that, that was getting the players in. But you don't know if Lennon's getting these players forced on him or whatever. I mean, if you even look at now, we've been linked with players and we haven't even got a manager. We've signed this boy for Sheffield Wednesday, Liam Shaw, I think his name is. A young boy for Sheffield Wednesday. What if the new manager doesn't want this boy? Who's who's signing these players? But if it is Eddie Howe and he comes in and he says, why are you getting me this boy for Sheffield Wednesday? I don't want him. It's the same, you know, with, so... it's the same with Welsh, four-year deal as well. Can you imagine when he can uh, go back to use, mate? No, cheerio, out loan. Uh, That's why you're, you're, I'm, you're... I, I'm thinking, obviously I know I know the club's still got to run, players are still got to be scouted and whatever else, but as you mentioned, how can you how can you sign players when you've no get a figurehead at the club? Aye, and it, it just seems business as usual with, with, with Kennedy there, you know. Uh, we're still looking at the players and we're still doing this and we're still doing that. You're still doing the same tactics as Neil Lennon. Aye. You're still picking the same team that Neil Lennon would pick. Is Neil Lennon on the phone to him before the game? I've picked these, John. It's just, it's a shambles, mate. He, he's, he's shown us nothing to try and get that job. He's shown us nothing because he's just in the same shape. Even, even the game at the weekend there against the uh, Rangers... Here last weekend, we all know a diamond doesn't work. What, so why are you playing it? You've not got the players. Obviously, Forrest injured changed it, but why not go two up front and just play? Just go for it because we've seen this season. I understand they've won the league, right? The spectrum we've we've had an absolute mega season. They've took advantage of it and they've done well. But you've seen the cup games. It shows you how hard it is to win trophies. But every team who's beat them or drama them or whatever, they've took the game to them. They've stopped their fullbacks and they went forward and took the game, which George did last night. When we, I understand we've had shots of moving clinical, but it just seems we're just powder puff in defence. We're just like, on you go, pal, fat a shot, Peter. It's just, Aye. I like a big eye, right? I, I, I like big eye, right? But for the height, he's height and stature, I think he's got to be a bit more. A bit more. He's got to win everything. He should be got to win everything. Ah, you're right. And I don't think, I think we're missing, I've said we're missing. 
you don't want to keep going back to the Martin O'Neill era, like your Suttons and your Hartsons, your Mialbys, but I know football's changing, but you, you do miss a big bruiser up front and a big bruiser at the back to just don't even play football, just put the body fucking defend and before Shane Duffy was going to be like that, but it's no, it's no hand. Aye, just come back to what you were saying about that team selection there, I think the one that, that, that just got that gold absolutely every day was that Aberdeen selection the other night. Everything's, everything's finished and everything's by the way. Mm-hmm. Give the young boys a run out. Give the guys a run out that you want to have a look at. It was virtually the exact same team as it was at Ibrox. It's just, it's just baffling. Just the whole season has just been a farce. And, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what to say anymore. It's just, I didn't expect it and I don't think MDLs expected it. Let's just put it behind us. And, and, and look forward to next season. That's it. That's all we can do. That's it, mate. I just hope, again, in Manda's situation, I'd, I'd like to think it's been done and dusted. They're just waiting, they're just waiting to announce it because surely you can't wait two and a half months, three months to find a manager. I know, I know it's a, I know it takes time to get the right person and staff and stuff, but surely if, if, if Eddie Howe is a man, surely he's, he's seen that it's done already. Or are they waiting uh, in Bournemouth? Is our staff at Bournemouth about to take? Are they waiting to see what happens with him? I just, I just hope it gets done. If it is Eddie Howe, whoever it is, I hope it gets done soon. So we get a bit more. But I hope we get into next season. Right. It's ridiculous, mate. What, what, what we know? Two months since Lenny left. And, you know, there's, the talk is it is Eddie Howe that's going to come in. But he's still getting paid by Bournemouth to the end of the season. So I've that's heard, why... I've heard that, can, no. Congratulate he can he come here or whatever at the minute. But if it is him and he's keeping an eye on things, he just must be scratching his head. You know, it's I've I've watched a lot of his coaching videos on YouTube and I've watched a lot of his interviews and stuff like that. And the guy seems like a Brendan Rogers esque mm-hmm. sort of manager, you know. So hopefully we do get him and we'll get fresh ideas. He's maybe got his fingers on the pulse already with, with um, players that he's want to bring in. Maybe he's talking to players already. Uh, if it isn't Eddie Howe, an our manager is talking to players. He's got an idea of the sort of players that he wants to bring in. But hopefully, more than anything, he's keeping an eye on this Celtic team at the minute and saying, you're not going to play for me because if that's your attitude now, when I come in, I'm just getting shot of you because I've been keeping an eye on you for the last two months. Because as you mentioned, the stuff on YouTube, I've watched it myself, obviously doing the podcast, we've done a wee bit about him and some of the stuff, he, he's, he's obsessed with winning and I think that's what we need at Celtic. We need a winner, a guy who's, like you mentioned, if guys are not going to come into training and work hard, see you later, I'll get somebody, if it's for you, so I'll buy somebody who's going to come in and do the same job with a better attitude and I think that's the sort of guy at Celtic we need attacking football, a winning mentality and it's strange to say that this season, I know we won the Scottish Cup but it's for last season, but the one mentality just looks like it's lost. And I think that, as you mentioned, it was kind of like the O'Neill era with Seville. They'd done what they'd done. I know the, the league was no one that season, but it was a phenomenal season. But they didn't build on it, and it was a bit like stale. It just went stale, and I think that's what's happened this year. I we've kept the players, but maybe the players have went a bit stale, and we should have just refreshed it a bit more. I definitely. It's, it's just like we said. I, th- I think Lennon was, was probably a bit too loyal. To, to the likes of Brown and stuff like that, you know, he should have maybe maybe managed his game a bit better. And if he took Brown out maybe earlier in the season and brought Sorrow in, he could have went, oh Jesus Christ, what's this boy, you know? And and I think loyalty was was a big thing. 
Um, I think we get rid of Scott Sinclair too early as well, you know, guys like that. Um, it's just, like you said, it's went stale and I think it's, it's sort of come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is the cliques and it is people's attitudes and it's dragging folk down. Like I said, touched on earlier, if, if you're in the workplace and you've got negative people working with you, it brings the whole workplace down. Just tell them to get there and, and, and that's it. Get people in that want to do the job. It's as simple as that. Spot on, mate. And as you say, I think it's just time to, obviously there's only two or three games left, just put it behind us and just next season. But obviously, growing up, mate, um, obviously a wee bit older than me, um, who was your kind of Celtic idol growing up? Who was the guy you looked up to when you were younger? Well, I'm from uh, Solcoats originally in Ayrshire, so we had quite a few guys uh, doing that way to look up to. We had, uh, obviously, Bobby Lennox and... Uh, who's from Solcoats and he's still in Solcoats to this day. Uh, he's got a statue there now and he, he was a legend, you know, uh, running about the place and you would just see him walking down the town, you know, he was just a, a normal guy for the town. He wasn't a big shot, he wasn't a, his head wasn't a huge or anything like that. He had a wee bar called Bobby's Bar in, uh, in Solcoats as well and he was just a, a regular normal guy. So he wasn't somebody that he went, oh my God, that's Bobby Lennox because he was just a normal guy. And we also had Roy Aiken, uh, who stayed in Adrussin. His mum and dad uh, lived two doors up for my, my granny and oh, my right. papa. So I used to see Roy all the time. I used to go and chap his door. Uh, he had a big Audi at the time, and he parked it outside my nan and papa's house. So I'd be, I'd be like that the one day every Sunday, as soon as I seen Roy Aiken's motor, I was like, Roy, 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 give me some hats, give me some badges. He must have been seeking me, you know. So we had him as well, but my idol... Definitely growing up was Paul McStay. Um, you know, just what a player, man. Just, and if you cut him open, he was green and white. You know, he was just a phenomenal player. Um, for your younger audience, I would I would say, go and watch videos of this guy on YouTube. He just, the way he drove at the fences, the way he could pick a pass. Um, and he's such a lovely, lovely, lovely human being as well. You know, he's no... For a midfielder, you think he'd be bold as brass and like you know, but he was just a lovely, a gentleman, but a phenomenal football player, man. A phenomenal football player, and I tried to model my game on his when I was younger. Just, just a brilliant guy, a brilliant, brilliant guy, and a brilliant player. He's obviously, I think I've seen by doing clips him, but more through my dad, and he says Ryan, he says how he stayed at Celtic for that long, he says. He says, I don't know if I did get offers, as Ryan, he says, because back then, obviously, there was no social media and you don't really know about transfer rumours, but he says, Ryan, the guy could have played for anybody. He says he was unbelievable. And he says if he played new, he says, Ryan, I really don't know how much he'd be worth because oh. he says he was he was exceptional. He says, yeah, it's paid your money. It's like, the, it's like the nowadays, like for me, like as much as people complain about guys like Edward and stuff, you pay your 30 quid to just go see that guy play football. And I think that was the same back in that era. You paid your... But it was a ten or fifteen pound back in the days just to go see Paul McSee play football. You didn't pay anything, you get lifted out of the turnstile back in the days <laughs> <laughs> and flung down the front of the jungle and you just stood there with Arwens and just watched him. He was just mesmerizing man, he was just tremendous. And then we had guys like John Collins come in and play alongside him and what a team we had, you know. And it was just it was that era when we'd go to Ibrox and battle them, you know, like maybe seventy percent possession and lose one on. You know, we just drive at them, battle them, battle them, battle them. I think there's a shot that McStay done against Gorham that he saved, and 
how Gorham saved that shot, I'll never know to this day. It was going right in the tap bag and Gorham saved it, you know, just he just broke our hearts back then and it, it, Paul McStay was in that era, but you just wish he was in a in a brilliant Celtic side that won a lot of things, you know, he's he's just a brilliant human being and a, and a brilliant player. So I done an interview the other day with, with Tommy Burns' son, Jonathan, and that's what he says, yeah. he says, he says, I think my, my, my dad was, he was basically, he was, he was the right man at the right time because Rangers were also spending money that we all know they didn't have. But he says, the football, I, it, it, was, it was Robert that was saying, Robert says it's the best football he's seen still to this day. He says, how did, how did any win much? And he says, the football, he says, guys, like, as you mentioned, McStain, guys like that, he says, that's that era, he says, I'll never forget you, don't have won a lot. He says, yeah, just the football, the brand of football he played. He says if that was these days, or he says it'd be amazing. I think Robert, Robert says he says if Celtic had Desmond, the money that Desmond maybe put to Celtic now, he says the big European powerhouse. But but that football, he's spot on. Uh, still for me, like I said, I'm 43 year old, and the best football I've ever seen is that Tommy Burns team. He's he's absolutely buying on what he said, and how they never won the league, you know, it was. Unbelievable, you know, they had uh, George Cadet, um, Pierre Van Hoydonk, uh, Andres Tom, uh, Ca- I think Decanio was there as well at that time, is it the four of them? Or maybe just the three, I can't mind like, looking back, but just a phenomenal side, like I said, I, and how they never won anything. I remember, uh, it was about, maybe it must have been about four or five years ago now, um, I interviewed uh, the Kilmarnock captain, uh, the last one in the Scottish Cup, Ray Montgomery. All right. And, and Raymond is from Salcoats. Uh, me and my dad were in the pub one night, and uh, he says, Oh, here you are. You're a big shot now. You're right for Celtic, and you're right off for all these websites and all that. He says, Why don't you interview me? And I goes, Interview you? I says, You're the commander. You're commander. Can nothing to do with Celtic? He says, Aye. But Baron George McCluskey, there's nobody knows Tommy Burns better than me. And I went, All right, okay. And I'll tell you what. Probably the best interview I've ever done, still to this day. I went up to Rugby Park and he's all he did was speak about Tommy. It's online if your listeners want to go and find it. Just type in Scott Alcroft and Tommy Burns uh, and, and, and it'll come up. Or Scott Alcroft and Raymond Montgomery, Raymond Montgomery. And it's the best interview I've ever done. Steve Clark was a was the manager of Command at the time. Oh, he so took it was me recently then? Just recently then? No, I think it was about four about four years ago. Oh, four years ago. Because right. right. I've been in Spain three years. Right. So at my tunnel and Steve Clark's manager's office was there and he took me in the boardroom and see the enthusiasm Raymond was telling me about uh, about Tommy Burns he said to me Scott Tommy Burns was 20 years ahead of his time he said see his coaching method see the way he played football nobody played football at Tommy Burns and I'm going to tell your listeners this as well that maybe they didn't know when Tommy Burns was the manager at Reading who was a young coach for him at Reading Brendan Rodgers. Was he, huh? Oh, right, right. So if you look at the way Brendan Rodgers played football when he came up here, it was very, very similar to the way Tommy Burns' teams played. Just so, it's just, it's phenomenal when you see Tommy Burns for me is the biggest influence in Scottish football in the last 30 years, I would say. And I, I don't make any bones about that when I, when I mention that. Lennox Town should be named after Tommy Burns. Simple as that. The guy 
the guy is just just a, a phenomenal human being, man. He just he deserves the recognition at Celtic. Because as, sure. as you say, as you I've, I've interviewed a few guests on this myself and Jonathan the other day, me and Robert. I was I was I say to him, I'm kind of in I'm the bit of a an aura about you here, uh, Jonathan. I know it's your dad's passed away, and, and but talking to you, like talking to your dad here, just the stories he was talking about him, and it was brilliant. And some of the stories that he mentioned about George Cadet and stuff, and it was just it's it's the best interview I've done. Just see listen to his stories. I was like, but you, I was like sitting back, listening. I was taking it on. I was like, that's I I know you hear bits and bobs about stories through like other podcasts and stuff, but. Seeing it for face value and hearing it, I was like, that's superb. And I think it was just, as you mentioned, it was just a shame that anyone a lot more to show the accolades of how good that team was. But you'll never ever hear one person say a bad word about Tommy Burns either. No, never. You know, so that, that's the measure, man. Just just going back to that uh, thing with Ray Montgomery as well. On the way to the boardroom today, the interview, Andy Millen who was Raymond's uh, central defensive partner at, at that time when, when Raymond was a captain. Me and Raymond were walking uh, towards the boardroom and Andy was walking down the side of the pitch and he's like, hey Andy, this is my mate Scotty. He says, oh, how's it going? Shook his son and says, uh, he's interviewing me for a Celtic magazine. And uh, Andy says, what are you interviewing him for a Celtic magazine? And he says, oh, I'm talking about Tommy Burns. And you know, again, your listeners will know this, um, Andy Millen stood at the side of the pitch with me and spoke about Tommy Burns for 20 minutes Probably. before I went in. He says, see Tommy Burns? He says, see that stand there? See if Tommy Burns tell me to run up there, get in a tap it and jump down and I'd land on my feet, I would do it. He says, he just, he just had this thing about him. His temper as well. He says, he would graph, he said, you know, he's a fiery redhead. But see, as soon as he gave you the ball, can, that was it. By the way, never mentioned it once again. Just a, a phenomenal guy. A phenomenal guy. I think these days that type of management as well. These days that type of management doesn't really happen. I think a lot of managers like to just go on and on and on. They don't just end it there. And I think that, as you mentioned, he was probably ahead of his time. Again, I'm Aye. I'm a bit young, so I don't know much about that either. But just hearing your stories and about obviously Stay Burns and Collins and because I've got a wee thing about John Collins. I I I, 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 I like the way he talks about football. His coaching style. I'm not saying he's effing to be the Celtic manager. I, I just like the way he talks. And I think sometimes he gets a bit of, a bit of slack, and I don't think fans actually sometimes like you know, just I don't I don't believe in some of the slack he gets. I think he talks very well about football. Um, coaches very well, and again he was a and he was a very very good player for Celtic by all by all accounts. Oh, he's a bloody hell man. The guy could open my tin of beans with that left that he has. You know he was. I think even still now he's he's as fit as a fiddle. Uh, he's got the six pack and everything still to this day. Um, I think the slack comes because he, he came with the Ronnie Dyler thing, where you know, and I think that's that's where that comes from. But as a player, you know, you, you can't say a bad word against the guy. He'd been there, done it. He played for Monaco. I think he played for Everton as well, done in the Premier League. But the guy was a, a tremendous football player, tremendous. And obviously. A wee bit of fun here, mate. Your best five-a-side team for any era, any player. Um, obviously, it's going to be a, a wee bit of toughie because a lot of good players have passed through the gates at Celtic Park, but who, who would you put in your best five-a-side team? Right. Um, 
I'm going to miss out the lines, like you said, for any era. So the obvious ones would be five lines. You know, I, I think anybody would pick five lines. So I'm, I'm going to do something a wee bit different. And it's players from my sort of era that, you know, that I've seen play. So in goals, uh, I was going to pick Xander Clark for his heroics last night. <laughs> at the front, but unfortunately, he doesn't, doesn't play for Celtic. And it was in case I needed a last-minute equaliser or something like that, I would fling the big man up front. If you want, you can put him to a sub, mate, just in case something happens. In the Aye, can we, get, can we have him as a, a guest appearance or something like that on the bench? <laughs> Aye, big props to the big man. Well done. Um, my goalkeeper's Arthur Boric. Um, I think in my time, uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking along the lines here as a five-a-side team. By the way, so I think you need a goalkeeper that can play football as well. And Arthur was good with both feet, so I think the hustle and bustle of a five-a-side game, Arthur's the man. Nothing much is going to get past him, and if the ball does come to his feet, he can pass it about with his left or or, or his right foot in the ball. I'm going to go with one defender, sort of two flair players in the middle, and probably the obvious one up front. Uh, but at the back, I'm going to go for somebody that no strikers getting past in a five-a-side pitch. They could probably get past them on an 11-a-side pitch, never mind a five-a-side pitch. Uh, I think the best centre-half I've ever seen at Celtic in my times Virgil van Dijk. And I know I'd done, I'd done our best 11 uh, last year on, on another podcast. And uh, I picked Paul Elliott beside him. Uh, again, Paul was probably before your time, but oh my God, man, what a, what a brilliant player. But the, the guy I'm picking in my five-a-side team is Bobo Baldi. Nothing, nothing is getting past him, man. If, if, he, if he doesn't take you out, Big Arthur will take you out. So that, that's, my, that's my two guys at the back. My two flair players in the middle. Again, I'm thinking along the sides, uh, along the lines of a five-a-side team. So I'm going to go for Lubo Moravchik. Gift from the gods, you know, he's, again, bay-footed. Would absolutely rip you in a five-a-side game. Uh, I had a, it was a coin toss between De Canio and this other player. I was going to pick De Canio because, again, I think in a five-a-side tournament, he would just absolutely destroy teams. But I'm going to go for a wee cult hero with the Celtic fans and I'm going to fling Paddy McCourt in there. I think Paddy McCourt and Lubo <laughs> just... My God, man, you'd be like that. For the, oh man, they two in, in, in the sort of buzzing about the middle of the park and everybody knows who my striker's going to be. It's obviously going to be the king of kings, but that's my 5 or side team. I've, I'm the same as you, mate. I don't, I don't, I don't find myself now can I base it on five or sighted no just about obviously how good they are but I'm the same as you the goalkeeper for it she's the best I've seen um, I know Foster was amazing but in that in that era we starting starting go of kind of a group of I don't want to say average because that's a bit of an insult but players who won the top of the top but he got them into a team and we got to the last 16 and by all accounts we nearly beat AC Milan and that team is for me. It's apart from maybe the Rodgers here. That's it's the best I've seen. Just team spirit and everything that came with, and the results and the European nights and Boric yeah. is just what an absolute. He's a, he was a maniac. He's a maniac. We know I know that, but he's a he's, he's a good maniac. He was a what a goalie. Um, and we obviously we obviously remember the Spartak Moscow penalty shoot and the, obviously the Man U and just so many highlights of the guy. Um, centre back. I've went for who I. 
I loved him at Celtic and I loved him obviously when he was a coach at Celtic, uh, Johan Mialbe. I just think uh, it's another guy who I think the sort of player we're missing at Celtic in the room, a big, just a big bruise at the back. Just obviously Mialbe was up, he was actually all right, his feet, but it was very, very, very good. And obviously I'm, I'm still, I'm no too young to remember that, but my dad obviously says Brian Mialbe was outstanding. He says for the minute oh, I'm really paid. He says, oh. for the amount of money they paid for him, he says, Ryan, he was what a player. And he says, I just, just ashamed that his knees are a bit grubbed and he, he might have stayed a bit longer or he might have played yeah, a bit phenomenal, more. Phenomenal, mate. Phenomenal yeah. for us. And I'm the same as you. I've went for two, can I? I've went for Aidan McGeady. Um, oh, I just thought that Aidan McGeady, if, if, what, he actually went and done very, very well in Russia. had a very, very good career. Um, I just thought that, that season where they did. It was unbelievable. Un- invincible, well, man. He doesn't have to put crosses in the box in a five-a-side game, does he? I so know. Um, <laughs> but just, as, as you mentioned about the th- uh, trickery, a five-a-side, I think he'd be phenomenal. Um, and I think he's one of the, maybe apart from Forrest, he's obviously with his Sinclair and Roberts, but we've not had a wire like him in a long time. Just a total guy, takes guys on, annoys a living shit shit defenders. Um, and I think that's, again, when it comes to this team, we're missing that. Um, I've went for another guy who's I thought was phenomenal and I still think he's underrated at Celtic, Stanley Petrov. Um, fit as hell, an absolute sweat box. After 10 minutes, the sweat was letting him off him. Just absolute for box to box, show you goals, he could defend. I just, again, he's another guy who we could have on this team. I think the former years, they, they would get in this team, they bother. Um, and again, Larson, it's just, you can't oh, leave yeah. a guy out, you can't. You can maybe find, uh, I, may have, I may put something for my height, Hartson for this, you, you can't leave a big man out any team, any 11, five sides. Nah, you can't, you can't. I, th- I think uh, a, a notable shout would be maybe Gary Hooper. You know, I think Gary Hooper as well was a tremendous goal scorer for us and, he didn't, he didn't miss the onion bag often when, when when he played for us. So maybe Hooper in there is, is maybe a good shout for for his his replacement to come on for the last couple of minutes. When it comes to Hooper, but the recent generation, he was probably a guy because I'm I'm basically finished playing football now. I got a, I got a bad knee injury, so I've had to chuck it. But he was when I, I was maybe I think he was 18, 19, I think he was at Celtic. He was the sort of guy that I did kind of it might sound a bit a bit kind of. I'm interested, but he was the sort of guy that I did kind of like mistake. I did kind of put my game onto him and the way the way he played and a, what a finisher for considering how much oh. money he paid for him. I can always remember, I know there's so many finishes, but it was the one I know we could beat, I think it was four two or four three, we could beat Ibrox. That one he betting in the corner, and I was like, Oh, he's missed it, and he went in. I honestly it's one of the best friendship I've I I I've seen. It was unbelievable. Nice. Um the guy was for us. And I, I, people might think you're talking rubbish, Ryan, but I, I get it. It reminds me of like him. Just his stature, and he's, he's a penalty box player yet. And again, I, I feel for a yeti this year because I don't think he's, again, Lenny's no, he's no really bought players to suit the system. He's just bought players that will spend money and just hope that gets his the league. But um, Hooper, 100% me, that's a great shout. Just a shame Larson was obviously one of the best players I've ever played with Celtic in it. Different level, <laughs> and then obviously going about about a about I can remember back, mate. Which are obviously you've been a lot of games uh, and away in Europe and stuff, mate. And 
Any funny stories in abroad with Celtic? Any memorable games abroad or at home? Just because I'm, I'm obsessed with hearing fan stories from abroad, especially when you're under the numbers of alcohol. Some of the stuff that happens is phenomenal. Well, the one that, that I'm going to talk about is Seville. You know, um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a couple of funny stories. I think uh, from my, my time there, uh, I was I was living in London at the time. Uh, so 2003 was, Christ, was that 18 years ago? Jesus. Um, I 2003, I was I was living in London at the time, and I had a big Celtic pal down there called Dougie Cool, and he worked in uh, a place where they tested animals. You know, for the, he was like security at the front door. They had animal protesters outside all the time, like getting brain damage. And uh, but he he was my pal, and he was my Celtic pal. And me and him used to go to find a boozer in London just to watch the games. And we ended up finding one, and we'd go there every every Saturday or every Sunday or every midweek game or whatever, and, and watch the games. So he uh, he phones me up one night and he says, uh, "I've got his." season books for my pal in Ireland for the next old firm game at Celtic Park. He says, uh, do you want to book flights? And you know, we'll fly up and we'll go to the game and we'll stay the night, get a hotel, and then we'll come back the next day. I says, aye, aye, aye. Dougie, that sounds brilliant, man. I says, right, we'll book flights. So we booked flights for this old firm game at the time. And uh, I think it was the day before we were supposed to go. He phones me up and he says, uh, I've got some good news for you and I've got some bad news for you. I says, right, give me the bad news. He says, the guy's wife forgot to post the season books, so we can't go to the game. I'm going, you're fucking... I'm, I'm going mental to the phone. I'm going, you're fucking... We've, we've booked flights, we've done this, we've done that, you know. So after they getting a bit stinking for about 10 minutes, it wasn't even his fault, it was this woman to the island that I've never even met, it's fault. I says, right, what's the good news? He says, right, remember I tell you I put in for the, the ballot for the UEFA Cup final on the UEFA website? I says, aye, 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 you tell me a while ago, aye, he says, I've got two tickets for the FA Cup final. He says, I've been picked at the ballot. I goes, you are, you're a jammy bam, you He says, right, to soften the blow, I want to take you to survive, mate. What will you be? Brilliant. I was like, are you bloody kidding me on? So I've been getting a bit stinking for 10 minutes and then he's wanting to take me to survive. So we goes, what we did was we booked up for Torre Molinos for the week. Right. So we booked a cheap package holiday I think it was at the time all inclusive in this hotel in Torremolinos so we didn't know how we were going to get to Seville had no clue where Seville was we just booked up for Torremolinos and that, that was as far as we got so we get to Torremolinos I don't think I've seen a Spanish person there for the whole week we were there every single person that was there was a Celtic fan I'm not joking you seeing the hotel you couldn't sleep for 24 hours it was Oh, they gave us gems, my glory. <laughs> I'm no kidding you on, man. It was like 24 hours singing Celtic fans. On your way back to the hotel, there was guys lying drunk in the, the street and just like, you'd prop them up and make sure they were all right. And it was just crazy. So anyway, the, the week we're at the hotel, all these Celtic fans are there. Now, back in the days, um, I think if I'm right here, uh, maybe again, one of your listeners can... can can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was the first ever European final that the tickets had barcodes on them. Right. Right. So when you go to the Olympic Stadium in Seville, you just scanned your barcode. There was no, no human beings there whatsoever. You just scanned it and then you went. So we're uh, we're in this hotel and all these Celtic fans are there and they're like, ah, we've just photocopied these tickets. 
we're just going to try and get in. So we're panicking all week, thinking we're going to get into the stadium. There's going to be folks sitting, sitting in our seats. We knew we had real tickets, mm. but we didn't tell MD. Everybody's like, all right, boys, have you got tickets? Oh, no, no, us. No, no, no. We've, we've, we've not got tickets. We had real tickets after the FL website. All these guys in the hotel had fakes. So I was shiting myself. So I says to Dougie, you know, we get in the bus, and he's like, come on, we'll get a carry out for the bus. I says, Dougie, I'm not drinking today. I'm not touching a drop for this final. I want to remember the final. I'm going in the stadium four hours before kickoff, and I'm sitting in my seat. There's no way I'm going in that stadium and somebody's sitting in my seat. So I'm not kidding you on, man. I've been everywhere in the world, right? And like places like Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, where it's proper, proper heat. But see that day, man, in that stadium, I've never felt heat like that in that stadium as I did that day. I don't know how the players managed... How they managed to play that night, I'll never know. It was absolutely sweltering in Seville that day. It must have been close to 40 degrees, maybe maybe even more than 40 degrees. It was, honest to God. So, you know, top credit to the players for, for managing to go and play that night. But I so in the stadium four hours before kickoff. Uh, I'm sitting in my seat and the sun's on the other side, belting down on me. So I'm sitting there and I've got, I've got my gallons of water. I'm drinking my water. Dougie's going, come on, we'll get a pint because I was selling drink. And I'm like, no, no, I'm drinking water. I'm not moving off this seat. I had to go for a piss every 10 minutes because I'm naked of water, you know. Getting... And then we'd see the guys for the hotel that had the fakes starting to come into the stadium. Honest to God, they photocopied tickets and they were getting into the stadium for UEFA Cup final. That's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely mental, but it was just... Uh, the biggest emotional roller coaster in my life that game, man. It was like Henrik just didn't deserve that to happen that night. He just played out his skin and what the guys did, you know. And I don't want to slag Big Bobo off in case he's watching, but he, you know, he, he, he let everybody do that night, you know. And we just didn't deserve to be on the losing side at all that night. We, we, the, the guys gave everything. The guys gave everything. It was a shame. As you mentioned about kind of broadly, fans steaming and singing songs that's just even though that was a major major cup final but that happens every single Celtic European game away fans are just I know you see a lot of the media say there's a lot of trouble start I've been abroad myself and it's the, the trouble gets started by the police and the other people the fans just go sing songs have a laugh a joke and you, if your team if you, if you win you win you lose you lose you're still having a good time and it's just typical away game in it you're just lying about as you mentioned the same songs are sung every five minutes every ten minutes and Aye. it's just it the atmosphere I'm I, I'm hoping and praying that in my generation or my, my lifetime I can maybe see it I don't think it, I'm never going to say never because something that's my old man says oh my old man's a Celtic fan but he says right now once I've seen that I thought no other Scottish club would ever get to a final of that again Says the Rangers uh, went there. He says so. Never say never. He says Celtic have won the quadruple treble. He says I'm not going to say that's going to happen again. He says because football's a strange game, Ryan. He says we all thought last season we'd have won the ten. It didn't. He? he says so. But he's. I, I can remember watching that game. My dad. I think I was only must have been only seven or eight. I think roughly even about that. I can remember when we get the second goal. I think it was the equaliser, and I've ran out the street. Yeah, I can still remember to this day as you says. I can remember every bit of that day I was in school, I was this, and it's, even though we lose the game, it's still something that you look back on with an experience, even for me as a young guy, seeing that, it's, 
one of my earliest memories is seeing that passing day goals. Day goals just epitomise his him as a Celtic player because they finishes as you say. It's just a shame that the guy wasn't the winning winning team. Aye, it was it was mental, man. Like we hired two buses alone from our hotel. Now bear in mind we were in Torremolinos, which was over an hour away from Seville. So that just shows you. I know there was quoted as eighty thousand Celtic fans being there. There must have been. I I would have said there was more than that, but honestly, mate, the whole of Torremolinos, we we had no way of getting to the game the week before we got there, and we ended up two buses. So that's a hundred. A hundred odd folk to your hotel that went to Seville. You know, just like you said, it's it's phenomenal going away with the Celtic fans and the folk you bump into. And then, like I've I've bumped into folk that I met in Seville at Celtic Park since. You know, and then when the social media boom came along, and you get folk, I I met you in Seville, blah blah blah, and ah, it's phenomenal. European away days are are amazing, man, amazing. I am the same. There's guys who I've, I've met in Leipzig and Paris and still texting them again these days. You still send each other all these, all these silly memes at Celtic. And as you say, social media, you keep in contact. And you, all right, guys, you go into this game away now. I'll see you there and all that. And I uh, think that's one. I think even a lot of what, Rangers fans, Aberdeen, Aberdeen really, but other football fans will be the same. You can meet people who you've been meet normally and probably a night out back here. It's all different people for all different backgrounds and you, you, you buy a pint and you ask your best pals for the rest of your life, you add them on Facebook, Twitter, or eat me out of things, or I've got you on Facebook. And I think that's just, it's the atmosphere of booking abroad, it's just, it's phenomenal. I think it's something I'm, I'm hoping, obviously, once the, this happens with COVID, hopefully soon it's, we can get back to the football games, but I think it's something I'll, hopefully I'll do more often go away because... Well, even if you won lose one lose a draw, it's just some experience meeting new people and basically getting drunk with yourself, fans having a good time. It's something you can't you can't replace. Ah, it's like you said, man, it's just it's it's an experience. So I'm talking to you there about Seville. You watched it in the telly, I was in the stadium, man, and it was frightening, absolutely frightening to be there and just see it and then like stuff you wouldn't have seen in the telly, like after the game. Mourinho came out to the Celtic fans and his family must have been right above us and he's got his medal and they knew who Jose Mourinho was in. he's coming out with his UEFA Cup winning medal and he's kissing it right in front of us and if there wasn't a pose with guns right in front of us the Celtic fans would have been on the pit he didn't realise what he was doing you know he was probably his family were probably above us and he was kissing his medal right in front of the Celtic fans and then that's when obviously the special one was was they knew who Mourinho was then and then obviously they won the Champions League the year after and he ends up going to Chelsea. But it's like you said, a little just experience like that. And like, like me and Dougie are still pals now and nobody can take that away from us. Mm-hmm. We, we, we've been there and done that, you know. And It's all about memories, mate. It's all about memories. As I say, maybe Celtic, especially recently, maybe not this season, but when it comes to obviously domestic success and stuff, there's a lot of good memories, night certain. It's again, it's something that football brings to you that no a lot of other things in life bring, and it's the memories are just fantastic. And even just hearing the story about Seville, I'm like, oh, I wish it was me, because even though I'm I'm still a young guy, it's if I could be twenty year old and and go to a game like that, I'd I'd, I'd happily date because something I might never see in my life. That's how I'm absolutely buzzing. I'm a quite a big Scotland fan. I'm I'm going to Euros and hopefully I'll go in June, but. 
put different and I'm I'm like, I'm taking everybody off I work up here because I want to see that because it may never happen again. Aye. Again, my dad me and my dad were in the Scotland Travel Club years ago and we used to go. I actually went to Italia 90. Oh right. This is another thing as well. So uh, my mum and dad took me uh, uh, to Italia 90. So again, that's you know a phenomenal life experience that you, I was only 12 year old then. But I was still there and experienced it. We all, like you said again, that was my first experience of sort of going away abroad. It wasn't with Celtic fans, it was with Scotland fans, but it's a similar sort of thing. You just wish you were old enough to have a pint in. But no. because, you're, because you're 12 year old, you're, you, you take it all in there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've had that experience as well with going away. I've been to like, things like San Marino away with Scotland. Probably. And, <laughs> and just like, little things like that, you know. So, uh, it's it's amazing, man. So, again, your, your viewers or your listeners, if you can get the opportunity to either go and watch your country abroad or, or your team abroad, then definitely go and do it and savour it and take it in. It's definitely something I'd advise. I've only been away, away a few times, but it's something I, I'm kind of hooked on myself. Um, and obviously, the top about obviously the Celtic idol, have you ever met somebody in in the public, a Celtic player, or even in general, any football player, you thought, fuck, that's that guy there. I don't want to speak to him, but ah, I'll get a photo of him at any, any, any moment you've been starstruck with a player. Aye. Um, the very person that I spoke about earlier, um, I was at St Andrews Academy in Stolcoats, and uh, my PE teacher, uh, Mr Hand at the time, he says, oh, we've got a special guest coming in to, to speak to the football team tomorrow. I was like, okay, he says, he plays for Celtic and that's what I'm telling you. So back then, uh, you had to wear the school jumpers yeah. and you weren't allowed any football taps. You weren't allowed, You had to wear black trousers, school jumper, shirt underneath it. That was it. If you didn't have it, if you had anything else on, you get sent home or suspended or whatever it was. So I knew it was a Celtic player that was coming. And I don't know if you'll remember it, but it was the, it was the, I think it was the away strip. It would have been the away strip, I. It was sort of lime green and black. Do you remember it for like the, I think it would have been around about the mid-90s. And when I mention this player, you'll probably remember it straight away. Uh, if you look at old pictures of Paul McStay. So Paul McStay came to my school. Right. So what happened was, on my school jumper, underneath it, I had the Celtic tap on. Right? So I'm, I'm standing there like that. Paul McStay's my hero. He's, he stood right in front of me. Now, bear in mind, there's, about a hundred wins, right? And he stood there and he's talking, and I get a collar. No, forget, I pulls it out for underneath my jumper, so you can just see the lime green and the, the black bits there. So I've got it up like that, you know, acting like a casual, and I'm like, I've got a neck like James Forrest sitting there, man, with my with my jumper. And all of a sudden, Paul McStay goes, "All right, way, man, how's it gone?" And there's about a hundred folk there. He says, "All right, how's, how how are you? C- come here." I'm like. <laughs> looking, thinking, who's who's he talking to? But he's seen this Celtic strip. So he pulls me up and I was oh, phenomenal. Like I said, in, in my job, we, we, well, not my job, it's my hobby, uh, writing and interviewing Celtic players and I actually became pals with ex-Celtic players and it's it's mental, but I've never, ever, ever been starstruck except for that one time with Paul McStay. That's, even just meeting guys like that, it's, see like, for me, like if I, I've never met Scott Brown, right? but see if I met Scott Brown, but fuck, that's Brownie. 
fuck. I, I, even though I'm nearly 28, I'm like, fuck, say it, Scott Brown. That's the guy I, uh, I've looked up to the last nine or ten years, whatever, do you know what I mean? So, even the, see, even any Celtic player who might not even be big, you know, fuck, that's the guy who I pay to watch. That's, it's still, it's always a dream to, to see these guys. And if I could see Paul McStay, I'd be, I'd be an absolute dream one, you know what I mean? I know he's, I think he's, he's, he's a being living abroad in Australia, aren't he? So, I, uh, he's in Australia, apparently. Um, so the chance of meeting them is very slim, but I think I've met, I've, I think probably seen only a guy I've maybe started up with probably Mark Evany. Um, I've met Frank a few times. Frank's I've, a brilliant I've guy, done, mate. A brilliant I've, done, guy. I've, done, I've done a few like, speakers nights I've went to and he's been there and um, I was at a, a fact I've even maybe put in Douglas here. I was at a, a, a speaker's lunch with Douglas and Mark Evany was there and get a photo with him. Even my dad, because I, I know my dad was a bit of a fan of Douglas when he was younger, so I got tickets. It was in, can't remember, was it, where was it? It was at the Halton Hotel or something, was at a lunch. And I got tickets for it. Oh, my dad was buzzing out his nut, man. He's like, oh, brilliant, cheers, Ryan. Aye, was that, was that Simon Donnelly's event, the, the first, first star aye, event? Aye, I was that, aye. Aye, aye, aye. aye. So we got a photo and I see my dad get a photo of him. He's, he's like, he's like, fucking buzzing out his nut, what I mean? He says, Ryan, he's my hero, man. He says, aye, he, you don't be that, right. That's, that's, like, that's like you meeting Larson. He says, Ryan, you don't realise how much this means to me. You you take us today. He says, even just a fight with him. He says, I've seen him for years scoring goals, shouting and balling, climbing, as he says, you early turnstile just to see him play football. He says, yeah. and I'm sitting on meeting a legend. He says, he was like, oh, Ryan, thanks a lot. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I was probably saying, Mark Evander, at least, because obviously they, know what, they, they were not what my era, but big Celtic stars, big, big, big players. So, I probably say they too. Um, and obviously you mentioned, as we all know, Scott, you're an author as well. You you've got a trilogy of books. Um, how's how's the process actually happen? How did you start writing books? How do you get to tighten them up? How's your thought process into making books and kind of writing? It's just mental, mate, how it all happened, to be honest with you. I was like I said, I was doing um, a lot of writing, a lot of Celtic writing. Uh, on websites, different websites, uh, podcasts, stuff like that. And uh, it was literally just as I moved to Spain. So I've only really been writing my books, started them three years ago. And what happened was I just had my laptop. I was staying with some friends at the time. So I had like a wee bedroom, a laptop, and that was it. I didn't have a girlfriend at the time, didn't have any. I was basically just working and getting hate, going to the gym and then just sitting in this wee room at night. So I had this idea for a story. Um, basically, when I used to go to the bookies and that, when I, when I lived back in Scotland, I had this wee thing that I used to do where, um, you know, you, for Willie Hills, for example, you get the blue pens and lad books, you get the red pens when you go in. So I'd go in and I'd put a bet on with a blue pen. And if that bet came in and it won, I'd keep the pen. So stupidly, I'm thinking that this pen's a lucky pen. You know, just like... Mental. So I come up with this idea. Uh, so this is the first book here, um, The Bunnet. Right. And it's basically about a wee guy for the west coast of Scotland who has got no luck with, with his betting, no uh, luck with women, no luck with work, no luck with anything. And he comes across this lucky bonnet and he, he doesn't realise that it's lucky, but then eventually he does. And then sort of loads of different things start to happen. So like I said, I just came up with this wee story in my head and I've got uh, a few author pals, Paul Dykes, uh, Paul John Dykes, who we spoke about earlier. I went to school with Paul and I knew that he'd written a couple of books. Uh, so I sort of asked his advice. And, and our friend of mine is a guy called Des Dillon, 
who uh, he wrote singing I'm not a Billy, he's a Tim. Mm-hmm. So I spoke to them and, you know, I was a bit concerned about publishing. I didn't have a clue about publishing, like like most people probably don't as well. I'd no clue about writing. So I thought, feck it, man. So I said to Des, I said, right, I've got an idea for this book. This is what it is. Can I send you the first chapter? I've got to write up the first chapter. Please be honest with me. If it's pish, tell me it's pish. And if it's kind of half decent, then tell me it's half decent. So I sent him it and he sent me it back that night and he went, Scott, that's brilliant. He says, keep writing. So I, I, I wrote, I wrote the, the bonnet in less than a month. Really? And uh, I spoke to him about publishing. And he said to me, why don't you self-publish on Amazon? And I was like, what do you mean self-publish on Amazon? He says, you can have your book on Amazon in half an hour. I was like, what? He says, aye, and it's free. And you can have your book on Amazon in half an hour. I was like, there's no way, man. You know, I'm thinking I need to pay a company £2,000 to take my book on and so on and so forth. And I've had loads of people, I've had like celebrities and that contact me as well and ask me about publishing and to write books for them and, and stuff like that now. Probably. But back then, I didn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I put this book on. Uh, just shared it really with family and friends. And I think it was on Twitter at the time. I didn't really have that many followers. And I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't think one person would read it. And then all of a sudden, it was... Five star review, five star review, five star review, five star review, and I was like, "Geez, oh!" And then people that had read it, they were like, "We want more. We want to know more about this character. We want to know more about that character. When's your next book out?" And I'm like, "My next book? What are you talking about? I've just like, released this book." You're, you're like, "I've just done my own book, and that's it." <laughs> I I didn't think one honestly, and guys that have guys and girls that, that are watching this that, are, that have wrote books as well will, will say the same you don't expect one person to read it and you're scared about the reviews you know you're like oh, what if it is shite you know and what if it, or what if it's amazing and it's it's mental because the thoughts in my books are what's inside my head so you're scared to let people Aye. what if, what if this, folk can come a crackpot you know putting this in this book but one of the characters in the bonnet uh, is a guy called Hugo, and Hugo's like a drug dealer who goes into the bookies and rinses his money. So he's drug dealing money, takes it in the bookies, and he rinses it so the police can't catch him. And that's my second book. So Hugo, and he's he's like aggressive. He's a big aggressive man that flings his bookie pens at the. Uh, you know when his horse loses, he flings it at the telly, and nobody says a word to him. You know he's he's one of these sort of characters. And what happens is he goes on a drugs run for Scotland to. Uh, southern Spain and what he does is he drives a Ford Cortina packed with drugs in the 1990s down to Spain drops it off and he's meant to fly back but him and his pal the Scottish pal that goes down there they get a doing and they end up staying there and they end up taking all the drugs trade in the Costa del Sol in the 1990s so again people that follow me on social media will know that one of my favourite films is The Business uh, with Danny Dyer and, and Tamar Hassan and it's sort of Loosely based on that, but it's, it's Scottish, so it's decent part. Of, um, they get up to all sorts, and as you can imagine, a Scottish guy down here taking all the drugs trade, and it's no an autobiography, by the way, before your, your <laughs> listeners say anything. So then again, uh, the Bonnet and Hugo are sort of merged, and then the right. third book, uh, The Factory Girls, is sort of when it all comes to a, to a head. And that's, like you mentioned there, the trilogy. This is about a, a group of lassies that work in a factory. Um, and basically, uh, there's a serial killer in the town. And 
again, stuff happens, but it's characters for all the different books. Um, I've got two more books out. The fourth one is called Daisy. I don't have a copy of that here just now, but Daisy, I want to try something different with Daisy. So it's a bit, it's a bit dark, Daisy, you know, and I, I didn't want to be a one-trick pony. Yeah. And just write the same sort of comedy and sort of Scottish stuff. And it is Scottish and it's based in sort of Millport and Largs sort of thing. But it's it's pretty disturbing, man. It's like, um, like I said, I wanted to try something different. It's about a, a Down syndrome child that gets abducted by a stag do. So, you know, as you can imagine, it's totally different. I've never, you hear a, a children getting abducted all the time, unfortunately. But I've never heard of a Down syndrome child being abducted. And mm-hmm. I thought... I'm just going to try this for shock value and see how I was kind of shiting myself a wee bit putting it out there because I thought it's a bit of a, you know, it's a dark subject and right. it's a touchy subject. But thankfully and luckily it's came back with, with good reviews and people 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 see what I'm trying to do, you know, and, and don't want to be the, the, the same sort of one. Mm-hmm. And then my last book is uh, the one that, that just came out in January, I think it was, is Bonded by Bonds. You can't really see it because it's a bit dark. Mm. It's basically a guy in a cave looking up and uh, it's about two Scottish pals that fall down a cave and they find a time machine. And what happens is that it's, it's after COVID, their town's decimated, the businesses are all decimated, the community's on its arse, pretty much what's happening now. Yeah. And uh, these guys fall down a cave a hole in a cave and they, they find a time machine and the guy inside the time machine is an old history teacher and what happened was these two boys used to dog history at school so he comes back <laughs> and he says right as part of your punishment here I'm going to take you back to visit two well-known Scottish people so they go back to 1791 and they meet Robbie Burns All right. and they go back to 1953 and they meet Sean Connery in Edinburgh before he's famous and because of the events that happen with meeting these two guys, they then take the lessons learned back to the return. And obviously different things happen. So it's sort of like Back to the Future meets Scotland. So it's, a, again, a wee heartwarming tale. And it's maybe a wee kick up the arse for everybody. Uh, at the minute, you know, everybody's a bit down at the minute. And yeah. it, it gives you a wee boost, man, if you if, you, if your listeners are, are interested in reading it. It's, it's a good, it's a feel-good book, and every single rating I think so far on on um, Amazon, every single one is five stars for the new book. So again, it's it's all it's all good, man. Yes, I have actually on Amazon before the stories, and again the reviews are obviously brought me. Um, and that's obviously obviously for yourself. It must be a bit of obviously a lot. Of, most people these days don't like to take kind of praise, but you've you've obviously done a very, very good job at your, uh, the books, mate, because if you're getting brought reviews, and I think you should be proud of yourself, mate, because that is obviously something, it's something you've worked hard at, and again, it's, as you say, it's just came to you, but obviously now you've got a few books out, so you've obviously, you're working very hard to get your comedy, get your writing, and it must, I have a bit of sense, I kind of pride that people are actually enjoying your books and kind of still wanting more and listening to your books all the time. Ah, it's, it's honestly mental, man. You, it's, it's very difficult to describe it. It's like your friends and your family are your biggest critics. And if any of my friends or my family thought it was rubbish, they would tell me, you know, yeah. but the, every day just loves it, man. And like where, where, I, where I come from, Salcoats, the, the surrounding towns, 
a Drossen and Stevenson. We call it yeah, the yeah. three tunes. We call it the three tunes, basically. And just like the support from the people there, and it's sort of spreading now, you know. And uh, like I said, luckily I've got the, the, the networking tool, uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and I've got uh, good people on there that will retweet my stuff for me. And it's just, it's on the cusp of exploding, and that's the truth, you know. It's but I, I'm, I'm confident in the in the work, the five books. I've, I'm writing my sixth one now, and my sixth one is just. I think it's going to be better than the R5 and to keep producing that sort of quality, it's very difficult, you know, because the five books are phenomenal and I'm not just saying that because I wrote them, that I know they are because mm. I read them regularly and just the feedback I get from them, I know that they're good, you know, so I'm just hoping, I'm not wanting to be the next Irvin Welsh and I'm not in this for money and I'm not in this for fame, I'm not in I just want people to read them because they're good books and that's it's, it. It's maybe... As you mentioned, it's it's maybe a hobby now, but it's a hobby that's turned into something that you're enjoying doing for people. Because as you mentioned, it's people are out maybe getting a kick out of it as well. Reading the books, as you mentioned, because of what's happened with your last book, gave people a wee bit of joy, a wee bit of kick up. Oh, listen, life's not all doom and gloom. There's beast, but what basically there's a lot more in life, and it's it's definitely something I'd be proud of, mate. Because these days it is very hard to get something out there and people to actually read it and enjoy it and Obviously, by all accounts, mate, it's for it's flying up the show, the whole pot cake. So it's something I'd be very proud of. I am I'm immensely proud, honest to God. And it's like you said, it's it's an escape for people. I think, especially like the first book, the bonnet. If 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 your readers, uh, sorry, your readers, your listeners uh, want to, you know, try out the bonnet. All my books are on Amazon. You can read the first three or four chapters. Right. So everybody can go on and have a little try before you buy, sort of thing. You know. And The Bonnet is such a wee heartwarming story. Um, if you check the last review I got, uh, it's for a guy called John. I don't, I don't know who this John is, but he gave it five stars and he was like, it's such a heartwarming and such a lovely wee story. Mm-hmm. And it is. It's just one of them. It just it just warms your heart. Do you know what I mean? And it's the, the rest of the books, it's the Scottish part of it's in them and everybody can relate. And it's from, if you're from a small town in Scotland or Ireland or whatever, Mm-hmm. You can relate to every single one of the characters. You know two or three of the characters in every one yeah. of my books. You know somebody like them. And there's always, as you mentioned, guys who go to bookies, guys who go to pubs. There's always the you guys in the schemes that you know. All right, Jimmy, you wait the bookies. All right, John, you wait the pub. You, you, guys you see all the time. Aye. But as you mentioned, Celtic games, there's always the same guys at the Celtic games you always speak to and you see they've got a wee half bolt in their bag and all that. And I think, as you mentioned, it's... When you're from certain areas and certain schemes, like we're off of Glasgow, so we, we all talk about a slang. We all know junkies, pubs, bookies. We all know the terms. So when it's in a book, you can relate to it. And you can, as you mentioned, it does grab you because you're like, this is where I'm free and I'm reading about it. And I think that is, is very massive for yourself doing that because you've obviously captured the imagination, obviously yourself, your thoughts yourself, but what will people like to read? And you put it into a book and... You're really just doing, listen, I'll give people a platform to read my books, and I think it's it's, it's probably what you're doing, mate, because I, I think I might, I don't, I'm wanting to read myself, mate, but the last one with, uh, with uh, Sean Corey one sounds really interesting, about going back in time, and that sounds really interesting. I might even buy it for myself and probably read because I'm not into reading books, I'm not getting a conversation span, but see if it's more like a film, I'd watch it, but I might ask you to read, mate, because it sounds, it sounds interesting. 
Uh, they, honestly, the, the five of them are brilliant. And, and like you said there, I think the best advice that I could give to anybody that, that's want to write or, or has an inkling to do it or wants to write a book and, and stuff like that, I took a week off work, right, about, I think it was last year. I had this idea in my head about um, a guy with split personalities. He had four different personalities, this guy, and I, was, I started writing this book. So I thought, I'll take a week off work. I'm going to watch every single documentary. I'm going to watch every single interview on YouTube that I can find with people with split personalities. Blah, 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 blah. So it takes a week off work. Honestly, I locked myself in my room, put the shutters down, put the blinds down, get the laptop out, get the, the pen, the paper, and writing notes. So I religiously watched documentaries, interviews, so on and so forth, researching for this book. And I had this idea in my head, like I said, and it got to day six. And if you if you watch YouTube, you see on the right hand side now they've got um, videos for you. You know that you might want to watch mm-hmm. the recommended videos, whatsoever. So it was Sylvester Stallone, and it said, I think it was something along the lines of advice for any budding authors. And this watching all these interviews with these people with split personalities was kind of frying my nut a wee bit. So I thought I'll watch a wee bit of this just to take my you know, a fresh pair of eyes sort of thing and get away from this sort of subject for a minute. So I clicks on it and it's, hi, Sylvester, uh, you know, after Rocky and so blah, blah, blah. Have you got any advice for any budding authors? And he went, I only write about what you know. I'm sitting there for six days researching about bloody people with split personalities and I've not got a clue about that. So if I write that in a book mm-hmm. and somebody pulls me up about it, who am I? You know, it's yeah. it's one of them. But again, on the same day, day six, I watched this top psychologist, and he says, "So, you know, what's your opinion on people with uh, split personalities?" And he says, "I think it's a load of nonsense. I think it's just people's excuse for their behaviour." You know, so I'm like, "What am I doing researching all this? I've got a million stories in this head of mine about guys going to the bookies, like you said, guys going to the pub, guys going to the football." places that I've lived abroad, I can talk about these all day. So it's just a case of writing them down. Only write about what you know, because then people can't pull you up on it. It's as simple as that. Oh, that's true, because as we mentioned, and obviously some terms in Glasgow we use, like junkies and that, it's no nice, but that's the terms you hear daily, like junkies, pubs, bookies, takeaways, fat, and if you put it all into a story, people will go, oh, that's, that's Scottish. Because it is termed here daily, and obviously schemes, and I think it'd be putting that as you mentioned. That's all you know. So if you put it into a book, I think it's obviously working. The people are actually reflecting and going, "Aye, that's brilliant. I like that." And as you mentioned, I think that's why a lot of books and films these days do well because people can can watch them and go, "Oh, aye, I can reflect on that." And I think that's maybe why these days books and films are actually doing really well because people are actually based on their own things and their own life. Aye, it's like you said that I get so many comments off people, so many messages off people. You know, oh, that reminds me of my hometown. Uh, just everything, you know. You, I, I get, I got one hour a week. I felt like I was in the book. Uh-huh. Um, I get a lot, a lot of, um, a lot of reviews. People saying I started the book to read the first chapter and I couldn't put it down. And you know, I get there's loads. I'd, I'd say to everybody, you know, go and read the reviews. The reviews are unbelievable and it's real people 
You know, you mm. can't just put a review on Amazon. Aye. You have to buy the book. It's, mm. it's verified people that buy it. So it's not me sitting going, oh, Scott's excellent <laughs> and his books are absolutely brilliant. Please mm. buy them and all that. It's actual real people, you know, that are on there. You, you don't get bots on Amazon. So it's it's real people with real opinions. And you get the odd one. That's, it's like you said there about me. I might put a five-star review on or a four-star review on. If I get a one-star review, I'll put it on. Right. And I remember, I think it was the last one that I put on, a woman was, she said something like there was too much swearing in it or something like that. You're in a bookies and in a pub in Scotland. Oh, yeah, that's gonna people have are going to go, hello, Jeffrey. <laughs> how was your day? They're going to say, all right, your dick, how's it gone? You know, that's how people talk to each other. Especially if you get four, five hundred pound or even money favouring, these people are going to go, oh, I've just lost my money away him. They're going to go, oh. yeah, fucking this, ah, and you're going to find your exactly, pens, yeah. you're going to find your pens, you're going to shake your machines. That's just, that's what happens in the bookies, that's what happens. Exactly. Um, no, but as oh, you golly say, gosh, golly gosh, gosh chaps, I'm, I'm no. really devastated that I lost that race there. <laughs> you're going to go bush, man, you're going to go your nut. But as he says about uh, the review saying, like, they kind of put the boot down. That that for me, if, if I was if I was like doing my podcast and somebody says, by the way, Ryan Epps, the first five minutes, I was hooked. I'm like, right, brilliant. That's that's a sense of I'm doing something right. So it's an offer that must be like, oh, I've caught the imagination of that person. I must be doing something right here. And that must be the things obviously nobody nobody gets themselves high as a kite, but that must be the things you like to hear, knowing that you're doing something obviously you're doing something right because people are wanting to read, don't know what to put them doing, and that's the comments I think. Begin a bit of a sense of pride to obviously keep going and keep writing books. Hi, it does, and the thing is, I don't get I don't get big headed about it. You know, I'm a very humble guy, and I, I just I love it, man. I just love that people people are getting this like I'm getting it. You know, because like I said to you, you, you do you shit yourself before a book comes out. Like your first your first review, you're like, oh god, I'll wait for this first review, and you're you're refreshing it, refreshing your account, and going. Oh Christ! What if it's one star? What if what if folk are getting what I'm trying to put across here? And then you get your first review and it's five stars, and you're like, absolutely loved it. Can you put it down for the first? That's exactly what you want, you know, and, and that's what you're trying to portray to the reader. You want them to be inside your book, not just inside your head, inside your book, and 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 live these characters. That's that's all you can ask for. This is me. I hope you just continue to do well with your books because, as it says, by all accounts, it's gone really well, and you're obviously enjoying enjoying writing and uh, doing the books but again mate just the last wee bit on Celtic obviously the last two games to go which are kind of the last wee thoughts and obviously next season manager what do you think is going to be happening next at Celtic? Like I said my man I think we we just need a complete overhaul from top to bottom um, we don't know what this this new guy, this new chief exec, is going to be like. Is he going to is he going to be more engaging with the fans? I think that's something that we, we certainly need to see. I think um, it's all right having a close shop and that when it comes to transfers and to maybe business that's happening inside the club or whatever, that's fair enough. But I just think we, especially with like social media and the the new sort of the new media with podcasts and things like that, maybe Celtic TV, maybe. Mm. Maybe the guy could maybe come on there and speak to the fans a bit more than Lowell did and Dermot Desmond, so on and so forth. So I think for, for boardroom level, they need to engage with the fans a bit more. But I would do it more through the club's channel mm-hmm. instead of like meetings with, still do the meetings with CSCs or, or, or 
shareholders and stuff like that, obviously you need to do that. But be more open with the fans. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's that's what's griping the fans at the minute more than anything, is that it's been two months of silence. You know, it's... And like we said, what I'm looking forward to, I, I want a Brendan Rodgers-esque manager coming in. If it's Eddie Howe, if it's Jose Mourinho, if it's whoever it's going to be. You know, folk will be laughing about Mourinho, but you never know. You never know with football. Like we said, with this European Super League thing, we're talking about a British Super League. Mm-hmm. Celtic could be in a, a different league in two or three years' time. They might tell the manager this, it's coming in. By the way, we've signed a deal. We right. gave her two years' notice to the SFA, and we're not going to be in this league in two years. So you've got two years to build a super a super squad to get us in this league. We're going to be getting hit with 150 million in two years' time, you know, to bring in whoever we want. Or Messi. We don't know. <laughs> we, 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 we don't know what's going to happen. We haven't got a clue. So as long as we get a you know, a blue chip manager in basically sorry for saying the blue world, but you know what I mean if we get a blue a blue chip manager, if we get a Brendan Rogers esque manager coming in. That's what the fans want. The season ticket renewals are up soon. Who's gonna buy a season ticket if it's gonna be John Kennedy? You know, it's 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 things like that. We need a complete overhaul from top to bottom. We need a superb manager. We need 10, 11, 12 new players. You know, it's I, crazy, I, man. It's going to be a totally different side next season. I kind of echo everything you've said, mate. Um, it's going to be a a very, very top manager or a manager that's up and coming and has his, has his, has his kind of goals set and knows what he's doing because, as you say, it's a massive, massive rebuilding job. Um, and as I say, mate, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Um, it's been great chatting to no you. No problem. Getting to know about your books and stuff because it's still something I know a lot about. So it's very interesting for me and obviously for the listeners to hear. Um, and again, mate, hope hopefully it's good for you over in uh, Spain, mate. Keep writing books, keep doing well, and keep safe, mate. And hopefully catch up with you soon. I spot on, mate. Just uh, just a quick one uh, for your listeners. If anybody wants any advice on writing or uh, writing books or, or how to publish books, stuff like that, you can contact me on Facebook or, or Twitter or anything and you know I'm, a, a, I'm an open book I, I'll help you you know and uh, give you some pointers and some good advice so if anybody needs to contact me about anything like that then yeah just drop me a message and I'll, I'll, I'll sort you out this is mate we'll post uh, all, all the links um, on the, when the podcast is up we'll post everything obviously people are interested we get a wee click and hopefully we'll, we'll get some interest for Scott but again mate thanks for your time and take care mate thanks a lot thanks man all the best cheers, cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. 
to fly. 